You're listening to episode 31 of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we have with us a person that will help us to understand what are the best ways uh, to approach regulatory affairs when we don't know anything about regulatory affairs. So for that, I have with me Karandeep Badwal. Uh, he uh, approached me, so it was a, a good way also for him to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to discuss with me. So, uh, and he told me his story and uh, I was saying maybe it would be great uh, to uh, also share that with the people and to see if we can help uh, other persons to approach regulatory affairs. So, Karan Deep, uh, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Hello, Maniami. Thank you for having me on. So, shall I start by introducing myself? Yeah, sure. It would be great okay. for people just to uh, know better, know more about you. And then, yeah, okay. you can tell us more about your uh, story and also help more people to, uh, to approach regulatory affairs then. Okay, not a problem. My name is Karan Deep, and I'm currently a regulatory contractor specializing in the medical devices industry. In terms of my educational background, I studied a bachelor's in pharmaceutical and cosmetic science, and then went on to study a master's in pharmaceutical quality by design. However, in spite of that, I have been working almost exclusively within the medical devices industry. And obviously the purpose of today's episode and why I'm here today to speak with you is I know how challenging it can actually be to get into regulatory affairs. I mean, I faced that proposition myself. Having graduated university in 2015, I knew that I wanted to get into regulatory affairs, but I know the certain obstacles and there's times of uncertainty and it really does help if somebody is there to guide you to get into this industry. As I face those challenges myself, I know what you need to do to make the most of them to actually get into this industry, which is quite a good industry to be in at this time as well, especially yeah. with things like um, the MDR, Brexit and all these various other changes. It's almost like we have to start to learn the industry again. I mean, these new regulations are coming in. Nobody's worked to them. So it really is a very good time for somebody who's quite new to this industry to come into it as we're all in a position right now where we're having to learn something from scratch. So great. And uh, yeah, as you've said, so there are, there are so many changes actually within this industry that uh, everybody has to learn again from zero. So then it's, uh, I think, the good time for, for them and uh, also to help uh, to grow the market, to help to put a compliant medical device on the market uh, for that. So just one thing. So where are you located? I'm currently united in the United Kingdom. Great. So Brexit is hitting you hard. <laughs> is it correct? I don't think a single conversation happens today without the word Brexit coming in. It's just, it's everywhere in England. Great. Yeah. So, uh, so it can be also an opportunity for more work to uh, learn another regulation that will come with Brexit. So it's, uh, it's also, I think, something interesting. So uh, during our discussion, we had, uh, yeah, we, we, we looked again at your uh, journey. So what you made to arrive uh, to where you are now. And from, from that, we, we get some kind of good tips, if I can say, for people. 
to um, to approach regulatory affairs when they don't know about it, when they are maybe students, when they are starting from from zero. And uh, I think it was really an interesting discussion, and I want to really to share that with people. And um, from that, I think we we get uh, three ways to uh, approach regulatory affairs. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll let you then explain that to uh, to the audience. So that's fine. So the way I break it down is we have three different things. Number one is education. Number two is experience and volunteering. And number three, this is the most important one. If you get this right, you will do well in life and it's networking. Great. <laughs> Those are the three main ones. So to break it down, I'll start off with education. Number one, easy medical device podcast. I mean, Mania, what you're doing here, you're bringing in a lot of people in from the industry. It's giving us a brilliant insight as to what's actually going on. I mean, just listening to this podcast alone would give you a very good idea as to what's happening and the challenges that we're facing within the industry. So yeah, I think I think it's 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 um so just from from my point, so I never paid you for saying that, so <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, as I've said, so I'm trying really to provide value to people to try, tell them exactly what um, what is this industry to um, I hope uh, make them like it and want to be uh, working for uh, medical devices as quality and regulatory affairs uh, person. Uh, and I think yeah, it's it's something that I'm trying to really to to do with those people. Uh, and not to provide just information about the regulation, but also bringing people like you or people like um, other people just to come with um, with more information about um, yeah um, human resources, recruitment, about new technologies, about things. So I hope this is really helping uh, the audience and helping you to uh, to learn more. So I think yeah, education. This is yeah, podcast. This podcast is really a, a good education tool. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So, I mean, going from the podcast as well, uh, number two is LinkedIn groups. There's so many specialized LinkedIn groups, whether that's medical devices, regulatory, quality. And there's some very good people there who say sort of very high value articles and things like that, where you can actually go and see what they're about. I mean, some people aren't sure what quality and regulatory is. The best way for you to learn it is to be part of these groups. Make sure your alerts are turned on. So you, every single day you can sit down and read the, the different articles. And within maybe one or two weeks, you would have a very good understanding of what quality and regulatory is. And the next one is TOPRA. So the Organization for Professionals in Regulatory Affairs, which I'm sure you've already had somebody in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I had, uh, I had Samantha Asbury. I think if I remember, it's episode 21, uh, where we talked about uh, how to master regulatory affairs. And I think it was also a, a good resource. Uh, so Samantha, if you're listening to us, thank you for that. So uh, yeah, she provided a lot of information about uh, how to be educated in, in, in terms of medical devices, in terms of regulatory affairs, uh, medical devices and drug. And Topra is also a good resource for that, yes. And also following that, we have also RAPS, Regulatory Affairs Professional Society, which is something quite similar to Topra as well. I mean, I know they have memberships as well, but if you go onto the website, they do provide a lot of free resources and articles, and obviously you can sign up to the newsletters. And you will learn a lot from regulatory affairs. I mean, that's what these bodies are basically for, just dedicated towards regulatory affairs. And also from that, they also have a lot of e-learning courses as well, a lot of studying online. And Topra as well actually even have a master's in regulatory affairs. So maybe if you're a student, you want to do a master's degree and you know you want to get into regulatory affairs and you're thinking, okay, what should I do? Quite frankly, that degree in regulatory affairs is probably the next best step that you can actually take to go out and study. Yeah. And number four is the MDD and the IVD. IVDR. They are freely available online. You can go online, Google them and find them. Sit down and read the 170 odd pages that I believe the document is. 
I mean, everybody in the regulatory industry has been doing it, and that will give you a very good insight as to just yeah, just just about. one thing maybe to say to people: you have to read it ten times or twenty times maybe to get uh, <laughs> really understanding all of it. So yeah, it's something that uh, don't read it just once because uh, after you read it a second, third time, you'll discover still things that you say, oh, uh, it's uh, it's new. I'm still discovering things. Just because people are asking me questions uh, from uh, for the MDR and IVDR, and I say, "Oh, really? It's written that there." So I go there and I read it. Oh, yeah, it's true. It's written that. So um, yeah, I think uh, reading that is um, is also a good resource. Um, yeah, I also try to provide also some um, summary for those information on my blog, so easymedicaldevice.com. So I hope this is also something that is helpful um, because I know that it's difficult sometimes to interpret uh, the regulation. Uh, so having, as you mentioned, reading also those uh, LinkedIn groups, uh, looking at the free resources on Topra is helping also to interpret because I think you also, we also had the episode with uh, Eric Volbrecht where he said a sentence that was really funny where he said um, that the European Commission uh, tried to write the MDR or the IVDR on a way that it satisfies everybody. So it's really that something that uh, uh, can be so you can interpret it on many ways so it satisfies everybody, which is not really the, the best thing <laughs> for, for the industry. But yeah, I think, uh, I think it's something that uh, we can help uh, you to interpret so by providing some articles or some, some, some guidance on our, on our websites. Yeah. Okay, and then we go on to the next point now, which was number two, which was experience and volunteering. Number one is work experience. I know as a student, you come out of university, you don't have any work experience. You're thinking, okay, what do I do? Most universities now would have you do something called a placement year, where it's between your second and third year, or maybe just after you finish your degree, where you maybe work a year in the industry. I mean, okay, it may not be in the medical devices industry, it may be in pharma, it may be in food, it may be in something else, but you should not discount it. Go out and get that work experience. Regulatory affairs in some way or another is in every single industry. Okay, it may not be stringent in some, but there's definitely transferable skills that you can get from a placement year. And the way that I see it, if I was hiring somebody and I had a student with one year's experience, maybe if it was in something else, and a student with no experience, I would definitely pick a student with experience. So that's something you can do. Yeah. Number no, two is obviously... Just, just to comment on that, yeah, it's, it's true that, um, that I had uh, the opportunity also to hire some people and um, I had some people that were um, more uh, in the pharma industry, so drug. It's not really the same industry as medical devices because uh, the regulation is different. But uh, as I said, as, as soon as you know how to read the regulation uh, from one industry or the other, it can be uh, maybe uh, easier for you just to switch. Um, it's, it's better than somebody that has no experience at all with the regulation. So I think it's really a good point that uh, start somewhere, start with um, any industry uh, that is regulated, that you can show that you know how to read a regulation, you know how to implement it, you know how to, uh, to create the procedures and everything. So I think, yeah, don't stop yourself just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I go to pharma or I go to food or I go to another industry, uh, so I cannot come to medical devices. I think it's, um, it's a wrong way to think. And that's a perfectly good example. I mean, even my degree backgrounds are within pharma, but then I've gone on to work in the medical devices industry. So, you know, it's something that does happen. People do switch industries and it's something that's quite common. So it's not something to fear. Good. And also, summer internships, that's another one. Another thing on always students, I was a student myself. You finished, you get your exams, you want to go on holiday, you want to enjoy your stuff. And, you know, you've deserved it if you've worked very hard and you've managed to get yourself a degree. But by all means, please consider summer internships. If you really are keen to get into regulatory affairs, I mean, that is a brilliant way of doing it. 
summer internships, the competition is a lot less, in my okay. opinion, and you are more likely to actually go out and get them. And a lot of companies out there do that, whether that's pharma or medical devices or even food, they will always have some form of summer placement. Failing all that, just contact the companies. There's no harm in just sending them an email saying, look, I'm a student, I've just finished this degree, I really want to get into regulatory affairs, I really like your company for whatever reason it may be. And then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you actually got yourself a summer internship. I mean, if you're offering your time to actually go out and work with the company, there's no reason they will turn you down. And by all means, that's the best way to go out and learn is to actually go out and do the work yourself. No, it's clear. And uh, sometimes it's also a good opportunity because uh, sometimes they have then an open position and uh, then they say, okay, we had you maybe during two months during the summertime. Uh, it worked well. We see that you are learning um, fast. Uh, so maybe we can consider you for a junior position within our company because we had one one opening. So, so it's, yeah, it's, um, I don't, I will not say it's a lottery, but uh, yeah, you have to, put uh, many efforts to contact many companies. I think when I started, I contacted around 500 companies and only one accepted me. So it was, it was a long journey, but at the end, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that uh, we all experience. So you just have to, uh, to contact companies and try to make it, uh, to make it happen. It's, uh, it's, your, yeah, it's your choice. And I'll go on from that. It's uh, volunteering as well. Um, don't be afraid if it's an unpaid position. I can understand, I mean, of course, everybody has different costs and things like that. If you can do something for four to six weeks, even on a volunteering basis, it's still something. And I know Topra have a volunteer scheme as well, and sometimes even hire student ambassadors. So that's something okay. that you can do. So why can't you be that individual that introduces Topra into the university? And by you being a volunteer and going to Topra events, you would actually go to see other professionals in the field. And you can start networking. You can start getting to know them. You say, hey, you know, I'm the volunteer here or something. And they say, you know what, contact me in a couple of days' time. I may have something for you. That's a very good way of actively networking. Yeah, and that's my third point that I'm about to go on to. Yeah, so just before that, so I had uh, had a comment also from uh, from um, yeah, I had interviewed also on this podcast Angelina Hakim from uh, from QUnic, and she told me once that yeah, uh, she sees more and more people contacting her just to volunteer. Uh, for working with with her at QUNIC, uh, which was surprising for me. But she said, yeah, mainly the people are, are calling me and just saying to me, yeah, I want to volunteer. I just want to work and to learn. Because I think it's also uh, yeah, the, the, a good strategy just to get some experience in your CV. As, as you have no experience, usually the companies are saying, yeah, we are not hiring you because you have no experience. But just by volunteering, you are, can increase your experience in your CV and say, yeah, I worked on this, I worked on that. I know about this regulation or this regulation so which can be a, a good a good start for you so yeah as you said maybe it's unpaid but at the end you can yeah you, you have to build on the long term you should not think about the short term but really on the long term and i think it's a good it's a good way to to start so networking now third one <laughs> networking so this topic here the best resource online at the moment in my personal opinion is linkedin the beauty okay. of it is you can connect with industry professionals and you've never met them in life. Okay. Where in history have we ever had a resource like that? And a lot of people, it's a shame, are not re sort of using this resource properly. The thing I get from students is when I tell them, go out and open a LinkedIn profile, they go, oh, well, I don't have any experience, so what am I going to put on my LinkedIn page? That's fine. Put your education. Put down there your student looking to get into this industry. And then people that are actively have searches up on LinkedIn, whether it be recruiters or companies, are actively looking for individuals like yourselves who are students. If you don't have a LinkedIn page, they're never going to find you. 
And yeah, that's what and, I say to students. And, and it's, it's true because even me, when I'm trying to look for somebody, um, the first thing I go is LinkedIn. I go on the search bar for LinkedIn. I put the name of the person and I try to find it. When the person is not on LinkedIn, I'm suspicious, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? <laughs> you are not on LinkedIn. It's, uh, it's, it's strange. But I think it's, it's also a good point that uh, for students, yes, open a LinkedIn uh, account, uh, go and uh, make... Um, all um, yeah, fill all the information for your profile and connect with people. Connect with on the on the LinkedIn group, etc. And try to connect. You have the networking, um, the real life networking, but you have also the virtual networking, and I think it's working very very well. Uh, so so yeah, please open a, a LinkedIn page. Connect with me also. I will accept you. No problem. <laughs> Connect with uh, with all the people that are coming to the po- this podcast. They are always accepting uh, people to to join and to uh, to discuss with them. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's the f- one of the first thing that you have to do. Even when you will start education, when you will start volunteering, I think the first thing you have to do is really opening a LinkedIn account. A hundred percent agree. I mean, the reason we're here on this call today is through LinkedIn. That's where exactly. I found you. That's where I found this podcast. No, no, if exactly. I never used LinkedIn, we wouldn't be here today. Exactly. So, uh, as I've said, so uh, you approached me through LinkedIn and you told me about your story. So it's how this started and how this podcast episode uh, was uh, was planned. So yeah, if you want, contact me and we can discuss if you want to also to tell your story. So no problem. So following on from that, I go to LinkedIn groups, like I was saying before, but not just joining LinkedIn groups. You might want to join MDR, medical device, regulatory, but start commenting. So somebody may have an article, like we say with MDR, is something new to us and we may not understand something. Maybe you have a different interpretation of it. By all means, if somebody says, you know, what do you think of this rule of the MDR? What do you think this means? Even as somebody who may not have a lot of experience in the industry, you may see it a different way. And start contacting me and start connecting with people, start commenting on their posts and things like that. And then that way you start building a relationship. So people see you as that person who's within that group is always commenting, always sort of messaging us or something like that. Going on from there, you can connect with the person. You can start personally messaging to them on LinkedIn saying, oh, I saw your post last week on this. I don't understand this part of it. Could you please explain it to me? And then slowly you build a relationship with that person, slowly over and over time. And then once you have that relationship with the person, you can obviously say to them, hey, you know, I'm a student. I finished three months ago. We've been talking to each other over time. Could you help me? And then that person may turn and say, you know what? I've been talking to you for such a while. We've built a good relationship or something. I will refer you. But then at the same time, if somebody just messages you and they've never met you in life, you've never heard from them before and said, hey, can you find me a job? You're going to be like, okay, (laughs) I don't know this individual. I have this uh, many times, uh, people contacting me uh, and say, oh, uh, I need a job. Do you have a job? I say, I'm not a recruiter. I'm not, uh, I have no open position. I, I'm just, yeah, trying to help people, but uh, um, I'm trying to uh, put them in contact when I, I have some, some, some relations. But to be honest, it's, um, it's, it's, the, there is an example I'm always using. I'm, I'm here. I heard that I think from somebody that said to me, yeah, um, if I come, if somebody come to, from the street and on the street and, and ask you, would you marry me? You don't know this person at all. You never seen this person and you have to trust this person and do things. Would you do that? And my answer is no. So uh, mainly it's the same thing in LinkedIn. When people are coming to you and just say, find me a job. It's like, okay, I don't know you, who you are. <laughs> what are we doing here? So it's like, and yeah, on LinkedIn also there are people that says, um, put me a uh, referral uh, information, put me the thing that, uh, yeah, I'm a good guy and this and that, that say, I don't know you guy. Uh, I, cannot, uh, I cannot put my trust on somebody on somebody like you. So, so yeah, please, please, please um, do what uh, Karen did just said, uh, build a relationship. 
don't just uh, try to connect with people and ask them to already help you on something that uh, is really yeah huge if i can say finding a job is huge uh, just by doing that but really by also connecting by explaining what you are doing by um, making a relationship um, by uh, yeah talking to the person and not just coming and say uh, do this for me do that for me so i think it's uh, it's a good point so following on from LinkedIn, I say university lecturers. I mean, you're in a privileged position where you have some of the most smartest individuals and you see them there on a daily basis. You have the email addresses, you have their phone numbers, you know where their offices are. Okay, I agree these lecturers may not necessarily be within regulatory affairs, but they have a lot of industry contacts. They have taught thousands and thousands of students. They talk to companies on a regular basis or even through their own work experience, they have a very huge network. If you approach your lecturers and you say to them, look, I want to get into regulatory affairs, I can guarantee you at least one of them will know somebody in that industry. So even if they themselves can't help you, they can maybe give you a contact and it might be a friend of theirs and through an introduction, then they're more likely to help you. So then this person may say, oh, I know the manager of this company. Maybe they can help you. The lecturer will contact them. They've already got that relationship. So it helps you get your foot in the door. And then obviously it's then up to you to make that contact with them. So that's one thing that you should have. Number three going on from that is university alumni schemes. A lot of universities have alumni schemes in place. So that means when you have finished university, they may be keeping contact with you, maybe have some sort of professional working groups where students that were once of this university get together. They usually meet in major cities or maybe where the university was based. But if you contact a university, I'm sure they might have something in place. And number one that I say about university alumni schemes is please do not discriminate against the individual in regards to their background. I mean, if you have one guy in engineering, another guy who's a mathematical engineer, you might think, oh, yeah, maybe they can't help me. But who do you, how do you know? That person may have friends in the regulatory industry. They may have a family member in there. If you approach that individual and you let them know what you want to do, they may say, oh, my friend over there went into regulatory affairs. Maybe I can put you in contact with them. And that's what you need to do. Don't think just because somebody's not from your industry that they can't help you. Yeah. Everybody has their own set of friends, their own network. So approach them. The worst somebody can say to you is no. And then fine, you move on. You haven't lost a single thing. Exactly. So I think uh, every person knows another person who knows another person. And they have a lot of friends. So it's, uh, it's how, how the social media also is working. Uh, because, for example, when you put a post on LinkedIn or, or social media, if it's an interesting post, they can uh, share that also with other people. So it's also something that, uh, that could be interesting and not thinking that, uh, yeah, just uh, because it's not the same industry, they, they don't have maybe a person who can help you, which is, uh, I think, a good point. Okay, something else? And number four, I go into professional bodies. So we can go into the likes of Topra, Raps, or even notified bodies, companies like BSI. All through the year, they are hosting events, different places that they go into, whether it be medical shows. What is stopping you going down there and just introducing yourself to these individuals? You say to them, look, I'm a graduate. You know, I want to get into this industry. These people are well connected with a lot of the companies. They are connected with thousands and thousands of different companies. Fine, they may not have something for you. They may say, do you know what? Send me your CV if I come across a company who's looking for a graduate. I can put you in place. And these people have very good contacts, but it's all up to you to approach them. If nobody knows you're looking for a job, nobody can help you find one. So you need to get your name out there. Yeah, and uh, how do you do on a trade show when you are going and try to, uh, to discuss with somebody you don't know? So how, what, do you have a technique, maybe? <laughs> my technique, I'll just go over to them and I'll say my name. So I'll say, hello, I'm Karen Deep, how are you? And they tell me their name. And we just take it from there. So I'll say, look, this is my educational background or this may be my experience. You know, I'm very interested in working in a company like yours or if not, something in the similar industry. Do you know anybody who can help? And in most circumstances, they say to you, okay, I don't know anybody at the moment. Here is my email address. Please send me a copy of your CV and 
what your knowledge is and then maybe I can send it around a few people that I know. It's very rare that I get somebody saying to me, no, I can't help you. In most circumstances, always, please send me an email and I'll see what I can do for you. And in some circumstances, I've had people email me. Sometimes even a year later, say, hi, Karen Deep, you approached me at the show. Um, a friend of mine is now looking for a job. Are you interested? So it just builds that relationship. And then over time, you get like all these people who know that you're actively looking for work. And every single time they get a job, they'll send it your way. So it's, there's no harm. It's just easiest way of just to approaching somebody is the simple thing. Like, yeah. Say your name and what you're about. That's yeah, it. and I think the fact that uh, they meet you at uh, 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 an exhibition or a trade show where uh, it's specialized on the area like medical devices or regulatory affairs or quality, etc., they they um, they recall you. If I can say, they, they they remember that they met you there. So it's also something that is uh, is interesting. Uh, instead of uh, just receiving an email from uh, somebody and saying, "Oh, uh, um, I, I like your company. Can you can you hire me?" So I think it's also another method. So it's uh, it's it's a it's a good one. And another trick that I like to use as well, once I've met the individual, I will either send them an email saying, hi, it was nice to meet you, talk about what the discussion points were, or even connect with them on LinkedIn. So when you've now connected with them on LinkedIn, it's somebody who's personally met you in the past. So when you message them again in the future, they've said, oh, yeah, that's that guy who approached me at that show. And they're more likely to respond to you that way. I think you can offer also during the trade shows, you can offer also your services or your um, volunteering, if I can say, uh, to people to say, oh, you have a question on this or on that, so you can contact me and here is my address. Or I think it's also a way to, to show that uh, you are here to help and you are here to support, uh, which can be also a great, a great method. So, so yeah, so I think we have uh, here a lot of things that are really interesting for, for a student to, to start. Uh, is there something else from your side? Uh, what I can actually say is, well, I, I think it goes without saying, please make sure your CV is as good as it can be. I yeah. mean, you can apply for all jobs in the world, but if you have got spelling mistakes in there, your CV is not correctly formatted, you know, you, you're not going to get yourself a position. It's going to be very, very unlikely. So make sure you're getting your CV as good as it can be. Or even still, this is another one, if you find industry professionals or something like that, somebody with plentiful experience, and you build a relationship with them, why not send them over a copy of your CV? They see hundreds of CVs on a daily basis. They say, please, you know, what do you think of my CV? Maybe they can offer you advice. So these are individuals who have hired people in the past. They know what they're looking for, and they can give you the best tips to make sure you've got the best type of CV, not just overall, but for regulatory affairs. So they can tell you what industry professionals are actually looking for. No, it's great. I think it's really great. Um, yeah, CVs are, for now, for now, I think CVs are the first uh, kind of uh, information that uh, people are looking for. Uh, but yeah, also uh, showing or looking at uh, what you are putting online. Uh, if you are active also on LinkedIn, if you are uh, also putting some posts, sharing information, I think it's also something that uh, people can recognize and remember that, yeah, I know this information because I received that from this person. Uh, so at one point at the end, they will recognize you as uh, not an expert, but somebody that is really uh, providing the right, right information, right document and who is really knowledgeable so and people will follow you then also so it's um it's also important so we talked a lot about linkedin i think uh, yeah um, linkedin is really one platform that is really key for people uh, to go there uh, to update the information to share with people to know what's happening also in the industry because as soon as you are connected with a lot of people uh, within medical devices or regulatory uh, then all what they are uh, putting on on linkedin you see it so you are also informed yourself about uh, about things so I think yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good approach. Uh, so people, please open a LinkedIn account and please connect with people and uh, uh, provide the right information for, 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 yeah, 
for so for them so they can really reach out to you they can know exactly what you are looking for what you are doing what uh, how you can help uh, help the, the organization okay so uh Karandip, thank you for that so what can you do to help our organization or our medical device community what is uh, your uh, ninja skill <laughs> Ninja skill, so I'm a regulatory contractor. I specialize mainly in post-market surveillance. I dealing with things from the MHRA, anything to do with notified bodies. Also specialize in technical files as well. I'm quite happy to convert technical files from MDD into MDR, which I know what a lot of companies are looking for. And I'm always on the lookout for projects. So if there are any companies out there looking for regulatory contractors, feel free to contact me. And likewise, if you're listening to this call and maybe there's a question that I haven't answered, feel free to connect with me as well and maybe see if I can find an answer for you. And I think uh, the best way to contact you is LinkedIn, I suppose. LinkedIn again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so anyway, I will put all, all the information uh, information on the show notes uh, about your uh, LinkedIn uh, account so that uh, people can contact you directly. And uh, what we can uh, then say is, um, yeah, please also uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, so that uh, it can also grow. And uh, provide me also a review, please, if you like what I'm doing on the podcast, so provide me a review. It's really, really important because the platforms are really looking for that to rank you high uh, so that it can reach more people. So thank you for that. And thanks for the um, for the reviews I already received. I will maybe uh, on one or two episodes uh, also mention some of the reviews because really it was really great ones. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, please uh, also uh, on YouTube, you can also subscribe to the, to the channel on YouTube. I'm starting also currently to have uh, some uh, some uh, courses, some webinars that are uh, starting to uh, be popped up on my website. Uh, so if you are really interested, you can go to uh, school.azmedicaldevice.com and then you can also see some of the webinars that um, are in collaboration with some uh, some organizations. So it would be also great uh, because it's uh, for experts or for people that really want to be expert on some fields. Uh, so there are some specialized webinars, some webinars that are really uh, focused on some topics. Uh, so the next one, there is one, for example, about uh, coating for medical devices. There is uh, other ones that are there. So you just have to go to uh, school.easymedicaldevice.com to see what is, uh, what is available. Okay, so Karandip, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for all the information that you provided. And uh, I wish you a nice day. Thank you, Maria. Thank you for having me on. <laughs>